Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Well, I, I started a series um, a couple of weeks ago called Posturing for the Presence because we just really believe that the presence of God is the most important thing. And, and we want more of his presence. And if we want to see the things that God has promised us to do that's beyond what we're experiencing right now, the one thing that we need more of is his presence to show up because only he can do those things that are beyond what we're able to do right now. Amen? And so we want his presence. And so posturing for the presence, I'm doing a series because there are so many different parts of, of a lifestyle, the, the, the ways that we can choose to posture our heart and posture our belief system and posture um, just the ways that we're interacting, the ways that we're living and stuff that, that causes Jesus to feel welcome in our presence. Amen? How many of you know you're welcome in his presence? Yeah. Well, well he wants to feel welcome in our presence, and he doesn't determine that. We do. Amen? There's two core values that, that we have here uh, that the, I really want to, I want to mention is going to be focused on and what we're talking about today. One of them is God is good. Come on. God is good. You guys remember that? Yeah. What, you guys remember the old slogan, God is good? All the time. And all the time? And guess what? The last time you didn't feel his goodness, he still was good then. Amen? I like what Seth said a minute ago. I, I, don't, I won't be able to quote it verbatim, but if you ever stopped experiencing the joy of the Lord, it wasn't because you stopped giving it. It's because you, you weren't receiving it. And, and I say you. That's me too. <laughs> but uh, so God is good. And we need, to, we need to always understand his goodness. And the other core value is focused on his presence. And focused on his presence, that's one of the most important things that we need to do is, is be centered on his presence and that we're pursuing his presence and we're worshiping his presence and we're encountering his presence. And the only way that we can really do that well is that we first understand that God is good. Because if we don't understand that he's good, then you may him, but you're not going to get the full version of what he is because you're going to have a lens that's going to cause you to see parts of him and miss the most important parts, which is his unconditional love. And, and I, I find, well, let me, let me say this first. We all know this. This is Christianity 101, that God is three persons. There's God the Father. God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and they're all the three in one. And it's one and three. And, and it's hard to understand it fully, except that there are three distinct persons that are, that are merged together into one. There's this union amongst them that he wants to bring us into. Amen? And, but, but it's like a lot of the revelation that we get of the Lord is of God as the whole, but the Lord also really wants us to understand him and to know him intimately in each three parts. Father, to know him distinctly as the Father. To know Jesus distinctly as Jesus. To know the Holy Spirit distinctly as the Holy Spirit because they all have, they're, they're all one, but they all carry unique traits and, and characteristics about them. And to, and to really have the Christianity that God ever dreamed of us for, of for us, it's that we walk in an in a intimacy, in a union with the whole package of who God is. Amen? But, uh, but today, I want to focus on one. And I, I was going to say, I, when I find myself getting out of touch with his presence, I usually can find out, if I, if I really search my heart, that I've gotten disconnected with the Father. The Father. 
And, and even in my life, I've found that a lot of my encounters have been with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. But the Father has had to take me on a journey to, to reveal to me that He is fully accessible to me. And that He wants me more than I want Him. And, and you know, when we, when we look at God and we see Him sitting on His throne in His majesty... And he's surrounded by the seraphim and the cherubim and, and the countless worshipers and the saints that are throwing their crowns at his feet and they're, and they're just declaring to him who he is. And, the, and they're just saying, like, You're, you are the God forever and ever. And, and so we see this and it can feel, it can seem lofty and it can seem mystical and it can seem other than normal experience. And, and it, it really is a powerful thing, but, uh, but when we see God on that throne of loftiness, what God sees is that he's sitting in his living room. That's his home. He doesn't like leave his, his living room and go, you know, post up at his office during worship hours. Like, he, he's, he doesn't go clock, clock in so he can sit on his throne in, of the universe and be worshipped, and then he clocks out and goes back home and takes a rest. That is his home. It's his home. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I go as far as to say his throne is a recliner, but maybe it is. I don't know. I know he's got a footstool. It's called the earth. <laughs> but he's your father. He's your father. And to him, the, the high and lofty place to him is home. And he sees you worshiping him. But he doesn't see you worshiping him from afar. You're one of those who are right there with him at his throne. Come on. That's amazing. And when we know who God is and who we are to him, Father, Son, it can take away all the striving that we, that we try to do with our Christianity to try, to try to do it right or try to earn our way into a deeper relationship with him. When we understand that he's a good father, a good dad who loves his children, takes off the, the pressure, takes off the striving, it takes off all the, all the things that we think we have to do to get there, to the place that we long for. Guess what? He longs for it more than you do. Not only does he long for it, he gave you full access. Amen? Our, uh, when, when Jessica and I lived in Reading, uh, we were at Bethel for nine years, and, and for three of those years, I was, in a, I was in a ministry called BAM. Have you guys ever heard of BAM? Some of you might have, and maybe you forgot the name of it. it. It meant Bethel Activation Ministries. And there's a guy named Joaquin Evans who was overseeing the BAM ministry. How many of you guys know who Joaquin is? I knew. How many of you guys have ever been to one of his meetings here in Indiana? Oh, you guys, I tricked you. These guys are from Reading, too. Yeah, on Reading, right? And he came here to Indiana a couple of times, and I think some of you were there. Um, so he was overseeing the BAM team, and I was on that, and Jessica was, and, and we actually got to come to Indiana one time to do a conference with them, with Joaquin and a whole team, and it was crazy, crazy, crazy times. Uh, but BAM, is, is, it, was a, it was a team of people that the Bethel leaders were raising up um, to, to export the revival culture outward from Reading and under the covering of the leaders. And, and so they were, they were training us and equipping us and teaching us the values of the house. And, you know, we had Bill and Bill Johnson and Chris Vallotton, Danny Silk, Eric Johnson, Steve Backlund, all the great leaders of Bethel come in and they would meet with us and just share their heart, the value systems of, of the kingdom culture that they wanted us to not just represent, but emulate and to train and export other people to release the, the impartation and the revelation of the kingdom values. It was awesome. And, and anyway, one time we, we had Bill Johnson in there with us and he was answering some questions. 
And he was really just trying to share with us, how do you, how do you carry the culture of honor when you go to other churches, other places when it's not your house? They might have different value systems and, and all these things. But, uh, but so he's, he's training us on how to carry the heart well. And, but, he, but I got to ask him a question. Uh, I said, I said, in all your travels, because he goes around the world all the time, what's the, what's the one most common thing that you see is, is the greatest need for people to get that they don't have yet? And his answer surprised me. He said, to know that God is a good father. He said that's the number one thing that, that he sees, the common gap in people's lives and hearts is, is the is the knowing that God is a good father he said they 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 say he's a good father they have the language for it and and but very few actually believe it and he said you can tell in their in their teachings their the the full theology and the practices but basically he was trying to help us to realize that if there's one uh, one thing that was the most important thing that we need to deliver to people is that God's a good father. Come on. Now, I want to tell you that right now. God is a good father. He's, I, let, me, let me actually say it a little better than that. He's not just a good father. He's your good father. He's your good father. Come on. Wow, I feel his pleasure right now. Let that sink in. He is your good father. Why don't you repeat this after me? God is my good father. Say it one more time. And let that sink in for a moment. I think that every single person has experienced their earthly father not 100% perfect all the time. <laughs> now, there's, there's probably a sliding scale of how, how that experience has been for people, but, uh, but, um, but, but, but all of us have experienced at least moments, whether it is, whether it is intentional, are we having a battery problem? Can you guys hear me all right? All right. The, um, sorry, regather, get on my track again. Um, <laughs> new microphone, new train of thought. Um, every one of us have, have experienced something that probably didn't represent our Heavenly Father well. And the, but the Lord wants to reveal the Father to us in His goodness. And He wants to say that your, your Father was not an exact representation of Him. Now, that's not to put anybody down. I have two kids, and, and unfortunately, I know that's true for them as well. Okay? But, but the Lord wants us to know that, His goodness. He loves you so much. I, I, I've, I've known that some of the people that carry the strongest anointings that I personally know have a profound revelation of the Father and His goodness. And not just a revelation of the Father and His goodness, but a, but a practice of focusing on that, of, of receiving from that, and, and letting him love on them. And, I mean, just to mention Joaquin Evans again, um, if you've ever been around his ministry or, or aware of all the things that God's used him for, he actually built the healing rooms at Bethel that's known around the world. He built that from scratch, and then over the years got it to the place that it became known as it is. And, and he walks in a powerful, miracle anointing. And it's amazing. And part of his daily practice is soaking in the glory of God. But, if, but I've known every time I'm around him, if I'm around him long enough, I'm going to hear this from him. Father. And he sings it out to the Lord. Father. And he doesn't even sing on key. Father, and, and my friends and I heard it so much that we, we made a song that, that we sent him, but he never replied because he probably didn't like it. <laughs> but, 
but and we were having fun with it. But the fact is, like, I, I just, every time I'm around him and he's in the spirit or he's praying or worshiping, he's always calling out to the father, his father, father, just loving him and receiving his sonship to the Lord. And I want to tell you that the more that we grasp the revelation of our good father, the more we're going to walk in freedom, the more we're going to walk in wholeness and be grounded and unwavering. Amen. And one of his best friends' name is Chad Dedman. Some of you may have heard of him too. He's another radical from Bethel who walks in wild healings and miracles. And, uh, but, but Chad also walks in a profound revelation of the Father's love. And I remember one time he was talking about how he was, he was preaching at a conference and there was several keynote speakers at it and he got slotted uh, I, think it was, I think it was right after Bobby Connor, if you guys know who that is. He's a pretty wild prophet. He got slotted after him, and he got wrecked during Bobby's message. I think it was Bobby. And, but, but when it was time to transition to his session, he starts feeling anxious, and, and he started feeling like freaking out, like, oh, man, I'm going next, and I'm, I'm following that. And he's like saying, Lord, I'm nervous. I, I don't, I can't, I have nothing to give after that. I can't even, I couldn't compete with that. Or, or like usually you think that the next one's going to be like the better one. I can't, I can't better that. I can't even come close. And the, and the Lord said to him, Chad, you don't need to do better than him. And you don't need to try to even be like him. The only thing that you need to do is be a good son. Be a good son. And it took all the pressure off. And then he went up there, he recentered into who he is, and he released it, and God showed up. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. <clears throat> I want to I want to take a moment and tell you guys some differences between an old covenant religious perspective of God and a new covenant free perspective of God. All right? Old covenant, perspective of God. He's high and mighty. He's holy and separate from us. Anger must be appeased by our works. We are lucky if we get to experience him. We leave no lasting impression on him. It's an orphan spirit. An orphan spirit is disconnected from the heart of the Father. And, and so when there's a disconnection from his heart, we, we see him in part, but we don't see all the right parts as a central focus of who he is. Amen? But a new covenant perspective, a perspective of freedom in Christ, we still would see him as high and mighty because he is. Amen. There is, there is no high like the most high. He is the highest, most powerful person in existence. He is holy, but instead of being separate from us, he's in our midst. He's holy and he's in our midst. He's pleased to extend his grace to us by our faith. Come on. We don't have to appease him. We have to receive him. Okay? It is his great pleasure to be with us. Come on. He enjoys the encounter more than we do. And he wants it more often. That's your papa. That's your daddy. So that perspective is a sonship perspective. He's not just the lofty God. He is our father. Amen? <laughs> I hope you guys will receive his love through the things I'm saying right now. Jesus, Jesus gave us all, as Christians, a great commission. 
And, and he, he has things he wants us to do for the kingdom. And he's given us a lot of awesome promise in the Great Commission. And a lot of Christianity really is built on the platform of the Great Commission. But I want to say that there's something way more important to him than that. And that's the, that's the greatest commandment. Okay? The greatest commandment is way more important than the Great Commission. Because the Great Commission is about works. It's about ministry, but the great commandment is about love and intimacy, all right? Because Jesus said when he was answering what the most important um, <clears throat> commandment is, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if you do those well... Everything else is covered. Isn't that awesome? Like, before go change the world, how about connect to the God's heart? <laughs> if we can connect to his heart well, then, then changing the world becomes a byproduct of the overflow of what he's filling us with. But when we're trying to change the world disconnected from that heart-love connection... We're just going to strive and run ourselves to the ground eventually. It'll, it'll be like an engine that never gets oil, and then it locks up eventually. <clears throat> I feel like that might have happened to me once when I was younger. <laughs> Can everybody say amen to that? In John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. All right? So he's telling us the most important thing is to love one another. And, and even in that, if we're not careful, we're still in works mode. Let me, let me muster up love to give out. But, but when I'm feeling empty, it's all the harder, right? But, but that's not where he stopped. He said, he said a, a commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you. We can only give away what we have, right? So he wants us to actually be really good receivers of his love that he is freely giving and always pouring out constantly. You can't do anything to shift his love flow towards you. Your most recent sin didn't stop his love flow towards you. Come on. That's good news. He said, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So we have to actually be filled with his love so that we can give it out to other people. Amen? First John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. So if we want to be good lovers of God and, and our neighbor, we need to be great recipients. And that's where a lot of our problem is, is that we don't take the time to receive. We don't take the time or, or, or we don't bend our focus off of the to-dos or the offenses or whatever the thing is that we're so holding on to that we forget to let go of those things and actually look in his face and be wide open to him loving us and lavishing us with his unconditional love. Agape, unconditional Love. Unconditional love. No conditions. If you didn't do it right, doesn't matter. He still loves you the same. You guys doing okay? In Matthew 10, Jesus was commissioning his, his apostles, 12 of them. Crazy, it blows my mind to think that Judas Iscariot was one of them who he knew was going to betray him. That's another sermon. Not going there right now. But, but he empowered them and gave them authority and anointing to carry his power into the cities and to do miracles and to raise the dead and to bring the gospel of the kingdom that's near to them. Amen? And gave them the power to release peace into homes. That's amazing. But he said this one important thing. Freely you have received, freely give. 
freely you have received, freely give. I say this again. If you want, if you want to walk in the stuff that changes lives, be the great, greatest receiver you could possibly be. And I think that some of us probably need to give ourselves permission at some level to get kind of greedy with Jesus, greedy with the Lord. I don't mean that really, but like some people think that it's selfish to spend more time focusing on you getting the fill you need because you should be giving it out to other people. And God's like, hey, your priorities are out of whack. If you think that's how you're going to do it, you don't have anything worth giving to them because it's going to be your strength, your wisdom. But when you let me pour my love into you, my unconditional love, the love that you don't deserve, but he's lavishly giving it to you at any moment, as long as you'll take a moment to look at it and receive it, he's going to give it to you. Freely receive. He'll fill you. He wants to fill you. He doesn't just want to give you a little dabble. He doesn't want to give you table scraps, crumbs off the floor. He wants to heap up the feast of his extravagant love for you. And I want to tell you, the father is madly in love with you. You're his kid. You're his kid. <clears throat> we love him because he first loved us. We've got to receive that before we have anything worth giving. Come on, is anybody doing all right right now? Yeah. We, we don't work for love. We work from love. We don't pour out. We don't minister. We don't do commissions for love. We do it from love. And here's the deal. The more that you want to impact people around you, the more you need to feast on it for yourself. Because the more that you get in you, the more other people are going to get it coming out of you. So the most responsible thing you can do to minister and change lives around you is to get yourself fully immersed and saturated. It changes everything. Amen? And Jesus came for two reasons, I'd say. I mean, there's probably a lot, but I'm going to say the two primary. One is to save you, but, but that is not actually the end. It's a means to the end because the salvation that he's providing you isn't just to get you into heaven, and it's not just to get, you, get your, your butt in a church seat. And it's not just to get you serving the Lord and changing other people's lives. It's to get you to the Father. Jesus came to get you to the Father. If you want to know the most important assignment Jesus has for your life, it's an encounter with his Father as he gave him to you as your Father. Amen? Matthew eleven twenty seven. 27 Jesus said, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. You guys want to repeat something after me right now? Jesus wants to reveal the Father to me. <laughs> Jesus wants to reveal the Father to me. He's better than any father experience you've ever had. I think it's amazing too, by the way. I preached on this a, few week, a couple weeks ago. First session about, about posturing for the presence was, uh, was encountering peace. I, I literally feel peace flowing right now just as I said that. Receive it. Take it in. in. Jesus' name. Encountering peace. And I read this first, but it flows right in to the part where Jesus said, Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Learn from me, for I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come on. And, but, but he said that, and that's one of the most powerful encounter verses. But he said that by saying, after he said, to whom the Son wills to reveal the Father. And I want to tell you that that encounter of burdens being lifted and shifted off of you and coming into that supernatural shalom, irene, peace from heaven that, that gives tranquility where there is burden. It's the heart of the Father that he's revealing in that. The Father wants to shift off all the things that distract you from his love. To lift off burdens, to lift off condemnation and guilt and shame. To lift off fear and anxieties and the things that wear you so the Father can encounter you with his goodness and love. Amen? John 14, 6-9, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And I want to say that Jesus' goal is not just to get you into heaven. It's to get you in an intimate relationship with his Father. And, and Jesus, I, I just want to go on a short tangent on that verse. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I've just got to make this declaration as I'm here. There is no other way than Jesus. There's no other truth than Jesus. There's no other life like true life outside of Jesus. Okay? Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter if you're going to church or not. Doesn't matter if you are a part of a, some other religion that's good. It doesn't matter how you voted. None of those things matter. It's Jesus. And, and we find our central life in the, in the truth, in the way, in the life of Jesus Christ. And he takes us to the Father. He doesn't even hoard it for himself, although he could. He, he, he escorts us to his, his Papa. Come on. Jesus says this to you right now. Here's my Papa. Come on. And then he goes on, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. Hallelujah. If you want to know what the father's like, look at Jesus who emulated every every part of who he is and that love that he would he would drop his mission his assignment to minister to a hungry soul for a moment and and, and that's him to you father love you so much come on <laughs> jesus didn't just come to bring a salvation he came to reconnect us to the father and and the father has been jealous for his children ever since Adam and Eve turned their loyalty away from him. And they, they abandoned their father and became orphans, self-sufficient humans that, that started a human race in every generation since then is born into orphanhood. You were born into it, so was I. And thank God, though, that Jesus is the second Adam to come and restore everything that Satan stole from mankind. Satan hates sonship because he couldn't have it himself. And when he saw that Jesus, the Son of God, was going to have a place that he couldn't have, he turned his heart away from the Lord and he became the orphan of orphans. He became the orphan spirit and the father of the orphan spirit. And so when he saw that God created Adam and Eve and called them his son and daughter, he hated the fact that they could have something that he never could. And so he tried to steal it from humankind. But Jesus came 
Come on. Jesus came to restore everything that was stolen from God's children to restore us to the Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for giving us a good Father, Lord. Come on. The Father desires to be with his kids. I was meditating on this yesterday that you, you, you look at all the profound encounters of the glory in the Old Testament and the times when he showed up and powerful, explosive things happened. And that whole time for what, probably 4,000 years or however long it might have been, they're, they're seeing the, the glorious manifestations of God, but they missed the fact that he was a father wanting to be with his kids. And when you see God without the father and son lens, you'll see glory and you'll see manifestations and you'll see mysteriousness and all the amazing things, but the Lord's trying to put a key in there and unlock the thing that's been missing the whole time. I want the glory, I want the power, I want the manifestations, I want to see everything get wrecked and shaken. But it's got to come from a place of knowing a good father who's trying to restore things back to the family that it was always supposed to be. Thank you, Jesus. When we believe that God desires to be with his kids, we shift from, from striving to receiving. And it cuts off the fear of rejection and unworthiness. And it makes it easier to encounter him. If you, if you want to posture for the presence, if you want to have the presence come into your life and become more manifested, more distinct, more weighty, know the Father. Because that's where the invitation comes from. And he gives it freely to those he loves who will receive it. We have to be good receivers. Amen. Embrace your sonship, women, daughtership. You, you get it. You embrace your sonship and you will find the Father's embrace. Mm. Praise you, Jesus. <laughs> There's a lot of things I could say right now. Um, Today, I felt like the Lord has shown me that a good lit, a litmus test that we can have on, on, on love. If we aren't being loved, or sorry, if we aren't being loving to the people around us, we probably aren't being good receivers of his, of his love for us. If you want to know if, his, if, his, if the love of the Father is at work in you, look at how his love coming out of you around you. If it seems like it's been crispy, <laughs> I think we can get crispy sometimes. <laughs> That's a good, it's a good indication that, that you might need to spend some time in receive mode and let him love you, lavish you. Amen. I'll, I'm going to take a moment before I, before I finish up here because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over us in a, in a few minutes. <clears throat> and I want to tell you, I, I, I didn't really want to say this earlier, but I, I just felt like the Lord, uh, he, he really does respect when, when leaders um, model vulnerability. And uh, it's not always the easiest thing in the world, but, uh, but, but it's important. I think a lot of leaders don't want to model vulnerability because they want you to think, that they're perfect. <laughs> Let's just laugh at that. <laughs> if, if, uh, if you see somebody who has no insecurities, it's because they didn't allow you to see them because everybody has things that we still need the redemptive work of the cross to do something, right? So we're all works in progress. Praise God. But, but the other day, I, I started reading a book that I started reading two years ago. Let's see if I make it through this time. I think I will. It, but it's powerful. If I don't make it through a book, it doesn't mean it was amazing. It just means I've got a million things on my plate. Um, it, it's a book by Jack Frost called uh, Spiritual Slavery to Sonship. And I, I have a feeling that book is probably one that P. 
people could probably read multiple times in their lives and get something out of it every time. <clears throat> and I finished, I was finishing chapter two and I, I just really felt like instead of just wrapping up and moving on to the next thing I need to do, I need to spend some time looking at the face of the Father. I mean, that would be the most appropriate thing to do with a book that's trying to reintegrate us back to the Father's embrace, amen? And so I, was, I, I just put my stuff down, I closed my eyes, put some soca music on, and, I, and it was crazy because it was like subconsciously I knew the Father was in there with me the whole time. You remember how the, the two disciples, when they were with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, they didn't know who he was, but afterwards, like, wasn't our heart burning this whole time? And, and I, I realized the Father had been in there the whole time, but, but it was when I took time to actually focus on him. <clears throat> and when I, excuse me, when, when I was going to really start worshiping him and receiving from him, I started noticing subconsciously all these insecurities were, had, had surfaced. And I, I started thinking about, I saw different faces of people that I have felt like maybe they have offenses toward me or, or I, I felt like they, the things just weren't right or whatever. And, and it started making me feel not good about myself. All right. And it's like, is that really what I need to be feeling when it's time to encounter the father? <laughs> Cause it felt opposite of what I knew that the father wanted to do. But the Lord actually showed me he was drawing that stuff to the surface. He was drawing my insecurities to the surface. He, he was showing me things that I didn't feel good about myself about. Allowing me to feel the anxiety or the shame that's buried in it. Not because he wants to make me feel that way, but so he could expose that it's there. Because what he did with it, because I thought that was going to really clash with the moment, but the Lord showed me he wants to love me in that. And, and so what I, I, I sat there in his presence, and, I, and his presence got stronger. <laughs> and he started affirming me. And he started, say, he started telling me the things that we need to hear on a daily basis. I love you no matter what. That's not how I see you. Come on. You're my beloved child whom I'm well pleased. You're my son. I always love you. You can't do anything to make me feel differently about you. I suddenly started feeling that stuff that was surfacing, kind of lift off of me. And in his presence, it dissipated. And then I could feel his love just pour all over me. And, and I, I felt it increase. And I felt the Father covering me and surrounding me and beholding me and loving every bit of me. Come on. <laughs> Everything shifted. I, I, I mean, imagine, <laughs> it's probably like no duh, that I felt amazing when, I, when that was happening. He, he lifted, the, it was like dross, it was like the impurities of that anxiety and insecurity coming to the surface and he's cleaning it out. Full acceptance. This broken child, full acceptance. Come on. That's how he loves you. But here's what's cool, because that was cool, but this was even cooler. While he's showing me these things, I, I started remembering back in 2015, I was going through counseling that summer, and my friend Les Coombs was counseling me. And I just, I've shared this with you guys a while back, but taking me through healing of, of some depression that I didn't know I had. And, and the Lord started revealing the love of the Father to me that I realized in that season I was completely disconnected from. And he started reminding me of scenes of the Father, like because I've had a great relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but with the Father it's been far and few between. And I had this encounter where I saw Jesus and the Holy Spirit right here in front of me as I was used to, and the Father came up behind them, and he put his hand on their shoulders asked them to step aside and said, I need this time right now. And then he came in and he started loving on me and he shifted this thing that subconsciously I had this belief that 
the, 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 fa- the encounters with the Father are like the pinnacle encounters, but they're, they're reserved for like the most holy moments. And the Father came in. And he, and he told me, I, I always want to be with you. I always want to be with you. You can have this with me anytime. I, I haven't separated myself from you. You're my son. I love being with my son. And that summer, my, uh, my boy David, I think, was around two at that time. And, and the Lord was taking me through my own encounters of my love with him and, and realizing, man, this is how God feels about me. Yeah, David's not perfect, guys. <laughs> He's not perfect, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't, sh- it doesn't change anything about how I feel for him. That's our Papa. Amen? And so as I'd been sitting there in this, this broken child, being extravagantly loved, unconditionally loved by the Father, all of a sudden, he, he actually showed me what he is seeing in this moment. Because that's what I'm seeing in this moment. Broken child being loved in my brokenness. Shifted the perspective. And what the Father saw was me, a son of the Most High God. A partaker of the divine nature. A supernatural being that's a son of royalty. A man of of great strength. A son of God. A new creation. A superior version of what a human is from the fallen version. Because we've been given birth to by God. Sons and daughters of the Most High. That just took it to a whole other level. And I felt free. I felt powerful. I felt like nothing can come against me. Come on. And that's what God sees in his children. Amen? You guys are really silent. Are you guys okay? Are you taking this in? Because after that... I, I realized that, um, that what I just encountered was I saw the Father, and, and I realized that to have a full encounter with the Father, it's going to almost always, if not always, eventually turn into an encounter with your identity and who he sees you as. And until we can come into agreement with who he sees us as, we're going to live in a subpar version of everything God has for us. But you're his child, and you've got a power that comes from a DNA of God, partakers of a divine nature. DNA means the divine nature of the Almighty. Come on. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. It's like when we behold the Lord, He shows us the mirror. And what we see in Him is what He's seeing in us and reflecting into us. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image of who we are beholding. The, the image that we see God in is the image that he, that he transforms us into. It's like we're looking in a mirror when we behold him. Because what we see in him is what he sees in us as his children. Come on. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I'm about to close. The same day after I had that encounter with the Lord... I, you, you know how on Facebook it pops up old memories that happened on that same day from previous years? This one popped up. I don't even know when I wrote this, but, I, but I'd written years ago, we don't graduate beyond revelation of identity in Christ. To think so might place you back in kindergarten. I'll say that one more time. We don't graduate beyond a revelation of identity in Christ think so might place you back in kindergarten. The Lord is always wanting to to enhance our belief about who we are in him. 
and, and who he is to us. He's our father, we're his children. And, and to close, as a matter of fact, why don't you guys stand if you want me to pray over you right now. <clears throat> Jeremiah 31, 3, God says this over you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I have loved you with everlasting love. Everlasting love. He's loved you. He singled you out. And he's loved you from the beginning of time. And he never stopped. Your latest failure, your latest disconnection from him hasn't changed his everlasting love for you. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. While you guys are standing there, just I want you to hear this because this is where I want to take us right now. <clears throat> Mark Brooks, some of you probably saw him on a video recently. He's he's the director of BSSM first year and he he gave us a greeting recently. I remember one time he was talking about the father and he and he was teaching us that it, it would be a really good practice when you wake up in the morning to when first thing when you wake up is look at the father and and say good morning father what do you think of me today what do you think of me today and uh, are we able to put any soaky music on in the background I just want people to receive from the Lord for a moment yeah, I want you to take a moment and, and just look into the face of the Father and ask him that question, what do you think about me today? Oh.